Hello, friends, family, and everyone in between. Welcome to the Feel Good Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Byron Filler. I'm the other host, Mike Osgood. Mike, how are you doing today? As you can tell, I'm doing pretty damn well. Why are you doing pretty damn pretty damn well? I am about to accept a job offer. Congratulations. Uh, thank you, sir. I uh, I just got off the phone with the guy. We were filming the intro for the first round. Got a call from my future boss. It's... I had to cut the intro short so I can have a brief chat about things. And I mean, back it's and... good that we did because we <laughs> energy-wise were like, it, how, do, how do I put it? It's like trying to do jumping jacks, but you're starfishing instead. Yeah, you're just like, <laughs> but now we're clapping. We yes. are jumping. No, we, we are... got we got some positive energy coming in from this good news. I'm Hell so yeah. proud of you, man. I'm so excited you. for you. Um Last week, we left off with uh, you talking about getting a tattoo. Mm-hmm. And now that you have gotten it, would you like to care to tell the the kids at home? Tell the Phil Goody two-shoes about yeah. it? Yeah. I sure will. Phil Goodies, I got myself a tattoo <laughs> last week, and uh, I love it. I love it so much. I had a tremendously talented tattoo artist by the name of phil fabian he uh that's f-i-l-l similar to the phil good podcast Mm -hmm. uh he i've been stalking his instagram for the past like year and a half he's got really cool stuff on there awesome stuff and i felt so lucky that alexia our producer slash my fiance was able to get me an early tattoo appointment with him i was chatting with him he was like oh july and i was like okay that's a while i'll be yeah. overthinking everything about this and then uh, she got me appointment for last week uh which is like the second to last week of april and i went in and for as i've mentioned this probably in every single podcast i'm a very energetic person my toes are constantly tapping it feels like a san francisco earthquake all the time yeah i went into his tattoo parlor i laid down on his little bench while he did the tattoo on my forearm and i was still for like (laughs) three-ish hours i can't imagine you being still for anything i didn't think i could either i i think i channeled my inner noah mayor and i just meditated for hours staring at this cobweb that was in the corner of a brightly lit room while he like stenciled in my ursa major tattoo that i have on my forearm now charlotte was meta it was i guess meditative for babe as well so yeah you know yeah i made him stop and look up you know that's kind of uh what this tattoo symbolizes for me i have always been attracted to that specific big dipper in the sky you know which also happens to have the mama bear up there as well so it's kind of my tribute to my family um to all of the people that have kind of helped raise me and make me into this person that i am today and will continue to navigate me in the right path 
uh, as life moves on. So uh, I'm happy amazing. about it. It looks amazing. I love it. I love it. I love it. You've inspired me for uh, like my future tattoo yeah. ideas. I'll, I actually have to send you the Pinterest for it because it's... Um, I'll, it, once this comes into fruition and becomes a real thing, we'll talk mm. about it on yeah. here. But it's, uh, I have no idea how to Pinterest. It's wild on there Pinterest right now. Pinterest is crazy, dude. I, like, I've worked with a variety of designers in the past. Yeah. And they are basically freaking ninjas at finding a little bit of anything and everything on Pinterest. Oh, and really? I hop on. Yeah, I hop on and I, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Like, I was trying to I, find hairstyles for like shorter curlier hair and i think uh, i meh. well i think like i have a problem especially with like pin like pin boards and stuff or just like inspiration boards is like i know the whole point of it is like you know you're supposed to like have a conversation about elements of things oh i like this because of this i like this because of this but then the obsessive compulsive side of me is like <laughs> i only like this and i don't know if i'm communicating properly that right. this is the central theme Dude. when it's like in that photo it's maybe like in the corner <laughs> yeah i i had that whole problem and i felt so bad for phil uh the guy who did my tattoo uh because i was constantly just on instagram basically pinteresting being like uh, hey dude i like this post i like this i like elements of that i like this i like that he's like cool i'm just gonna do it the night before so <laughs> and this was like two months ago when i started like throwing shit at him yeah um, he's like yeah okay okay chill chill cool thank you <laughs> i was like I, I'm trying not to be that over eager fan but i was like this is something that i'm gonna be putting on my body for the yeah. rest of my life I want it to be perfect and it ended uh, up perfect <laughs> to me absolutely yeah. as it should be yeah but byron uh yes. since the last time that we have spoken everything on here you got married i did she put a ring on it she put oh he is beyonce she liked it, so she put it she liked it so she put a ring on it. this is the whitest beyonce. i was about to say i was literally about to joke about that dude like that was uh that was white dad trying to be cool to his teenage daughters. It, I, she liked it, so she put it Yeah, in. no, I, I don't plan on having kids, and I uh, have more white dad energy than the entire Pacific Northwest. Uh. <laughs> true. True, 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 true. Uh, no, but you are the most giddy, like, husband I have seen in quite some time. Thank you. I feel, you know what, I think um, for me and her... It, it, it's a hard thing to explain. Like I think everybody has some level of this or a different experience of this. You meet your soulmate and it kind of just clicks. And I knew my my wife, my wife, oh my wife. god, my wife, uh, <laughs> that she was my soulmate. I think like very immediately, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to freak her out or myself out and just jump the gun with it. Yeah, but at, even after like the first month of getting to know her, I just knew like this was it. So getting mm -hmm. married was less. It was it was more about the the ceremony of it than the reality of it. Because I think like when I got to the altar, we didn't really have an. We got altar, to the arch. But the the arch. Yeah, I made this arch. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah, 
the I decorated. I, I was yeah, no, it was an awesome arch. I really loved building it. I'll try to get some photos of that arch on here because it's um, it was. I'm very proud of myself for it. Um, no, it. I was I was already there, so it was just and the whole day was just really special and wonderful and amazing and especially like during these hard times where like you don't know what tomorrow is gonna bring and like we didn't know six months ago if anything of what we were gonna try to do just at, in a more nucleus kind of small capacity um, would even be possible at all and at the end of the day it, it was and I'm so I'm just so I'm so thankful to to you and Alexia my uh, Mike, because like you basically saved our asses <laughs> on the day of, um, and just uh, generally all of our friends and family who were there and loving and supportive throughout the, and just basically everyone knew what we were going through and just said yes to everything because they just, you know, same mm -hmm. team. Um, and just so and all listeners know, it was the most COVID safe wedding around, it was outside. Yeah. Everybody wore masks basically the entire time, and it was a whirlwind to get set up, but we yeah. got it set up, and it was beautiful. It was fantastic. I'm so incredibly happy to have you be the husband of my cousin, and you are she... now my cousin. <laughs> I'm now your cousin. We're officially cousins We're in We're officially law. cousins. Oh, man. On that note, by the way, we need to We're talk about your best man. I know. We need to talk about your best man. I, uh, I don't think I can ever post his best man speech, which we'll just give you the cliff notes. It's first, wild. Talk, talk about our guest today. Who yeah. is the guest? James Miller. He is my cousin from England, but he is a creative technologist. And he is just, he has built some of the wildest things that you can think of with yes. creative technology. He's built... Uh, mind-controlled cars um platforms uh, uh virtual platforms for like large events um uh, self-buttering toast that has like, emotions so weird so it sounds like rick and morty stuff but it's real life <laughs> we'll post up a picture of byron and his cousin they are almost identical twins it's yes weird One's British, one's American. And to that note, I will also clarify, you might hear a little bit of audio glitches just because he is over the pond. But yeah. please, everybody, put a round of applause together for our guest today, James Miller. <laughs> We are back, everyone. Thank you for uh, tuning back in after our little dance break. Uh, we are here with the, I, I mean, what can I say about him that hasn't been said? The amazing, the handsome, uh, he is my British clone. It's James Miller, everyone. Hello, hello, Woo! it's me. James, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's pretty cloudy weather over here in the UK, but you know what? Nothing dampens my spirits. 
That is, I mean, it is mostly cloudy over there. Do you guys, do you have sunny days over there? You know what? Um, yeah, we do, but you can never predict it. Like, you know, the, the weather forecast says whatever it says. Yeah. And yeah, I think it was actually like this week we had snow and sunshine, like really like we had snow and like a really sunny day all in the same day. James, before we start diving deep into the wonderful world of all things you, we have to make sure that we expunge any and all bad and negativity in what we like to call our moment of bad, where we take roughly about 60 seconds. It's not. You wonder what? One can dream. But we're going to (laughs) take... We're going to take a little bit. We're going to chat about the three things that have annoyed all of us over this past week. I'll start it off this week with one that I have particularly want gone in my life, which is asshole drivers. I was driving mm. down the highway the past week, and I could not tell you how many people we're driving like Dom Toretto in Fast and the Furious, going, cutting across four lanes of traffic. Just go. I'm going like 10 miles per hour over the speed limit. Do not use this against me in court. But <laughs> going at least 10 miles per hour over the speed limit. And there's people that are flying past me, cutting across the lanes, going between people, not knowing what a blinker is. Learn what that is. You got your license, maybe. But take your speediness and be gone. <laughs> be gone. Byron, what's your okay, bad? Okay, so my first bad for today has a little bit to do with what we're going to be talking about today. But it is people who don't you who are not good at about technology but use that as an excuse to like panic, not like read emails, not like do certain things that are just like very simple. And and look, yeah. as someone who is that I consider myself pretty technology savvy, I do get it even on this end of knowing a lot. There are things that are just hard to figure out sometimes. That said, and I mean it, that said, I'm only going to sing this once. All of your problems can be solved with reading. Hate that the truth. Be gone, I know you read. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, be gone with your bad reading comprehension. (laughs) James, what's been bothering you this week? Well... My dentist slyly overcharged me by sixty pounds. What? Yeah. Why? So, basically, uh, I turned up for an appointment, which was already all prepaid for, right? Because we we prepay for things. Like we got you do have different plans for things. It's all prepaid for, and mm. um, yeah, basically, they I turned up, had my appointment, and then just as I was about to leave, they said, "You owe us money." I was like, "What? No, I don't." <laughs> And then, and basically, they charged me twenty pounds for PPE, which you know, uh, by, by, you know uh, protection against you know when you're wearing COVID, the start kind of stuff, and then forty pounds yeah. for a missed appointment that I had twelve months ago. And I was like, well, hold on a minute, like you know, it, it's you know, fair enough the twenty pounds PPE charge, and fair enough you, you know. That's also debatable, actually. I say fair enough. It's actually debatable charging me for a missed appointment when I've already prepaid it. But 
I was like, mm. you know, if you're going to charge me anything, you should be telling me up front before I come in. Like, you know, I, I said to them, yeah. it's absolutely wrong. Um, you know, I'm never going to go there again. But my kind of opinion on all this is like, you know, they've done a good service with my teeth over the last few years. I've been with them since I was a kid. So, you know, I'll, I'll pay them this time. But you know what? Uh, my kind of way of dealing with it is, you know, I'm, I'm just not going <laughs> to... You know, I'm not going to go back there again. I don't like to make enemies on something like that. You know, I don't like to end things badly. But, you know, we're going to take this accounting issue. We're going to make it be gone. So be gone. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. For for all of our listeners that are out there, we, we are currently on a video chat. I feel like Pam from The Office. <laughs> like... You have two almost identical people wearing almost the same exact glasses who almost have the same exact beard and almost the same exact hair. Do you guys have, like, Wonder Twin powers? I yes. think so, yeah. <laughs> is, this, yeah. is this why you guys tag-teamed on me in Super Smash Brothers? That's <laughs> I'm not as good as him. We'll get into some Super Smash Bros. Uh, a little later, but no, I like, he's uh, brutal. No, I I did not get the uh, be good at Super Smash Bros. gene, unfortunately. Um, we're going to move on, and we want to learn more about everything that is James Miller. And to start, like every good superhero, they have an origin story. So James, we want to know, what is your origin story? Part one is that when I was a kid, I had, um, like severe learning difficulties um things like adhd dyspraxia dyslexia i mean those things don't sound that bad but um it was like on like there's different levels of severity with these things and um i'm i'm under the understanding that i was on the pretty um pretty on the uh, far side basically on all those kind of levels um and the other side is I've had um, kind of like, you know, family kind of <laughs> complications with like a divorce and that. So those two kind of things you could say are kind of like um, two things that when I was younger was if, if I was a superhero, you could say those are like my, um, you know, my my equivalent <laughs> of landing from whatever Superman's planet is or like Batman. That, that's your origin. that's your Batman alley. Yeah, moment. right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that that's a powerful that's a powerful cocktail. Um where where are you at in your life now how has that catapulted you forward um so i guess in terms of i don't know i think you know i tend to do my best to see things as um basically i got a hell of a lot of energy <laughs> that's, that's basically the um uh the kind of crux of it right and um i've learned how to channel that energy basically and i think that um, I, th I think I'm very blessed. Like when people talk about problems in their life and stuff, like you know, I've I've got my own things that when I was a kid, like I struggled with. But I almost feel in a way it's like I'm quite grateful in a way because it's just I don't know I I I have it in my head. You know, when I'm doing things, like you know, I don't take for granted at all the job I have, and you know, um, you know, making money and enjoying what I do and um, I take it very seriously. I, don't, I never take it for granted at all. Um, and I, I, yeah, I, I guess I've learned how to focus energy. That's a really important thing. I guess even just an example of that, I said just a minute ago, I was up until like one or two o'clock, like, you know, just, 
because I just got really into it. I went, I, I go, I went three hundred percent. And I guess when you're a kid and you've got something like ADHD and all these other things, right? You know, you, as a kid, you don't know how to like what what that is. And I know Byron, you can probably relate to that on your own level. Um, because of things yeah, you've yeah. gone through. But when you're a kid, you don't know what the fuck's going on, right? But I guess where I am now is at a point where I've, you know, I, 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 I can focus that. And that what that a, a result of that is that um, when I really get into something, I, I, I go at it. And I just, my brains fill in it. That makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I, I could speak to that as just like also a person who has an immense amount of energy who needs to find that vent <laughs> to just kind of like let it out and go through like lately my thing has been fitness and trying to work out and get that energy out there but one thing that i would love to learn more about is you you had a lot of the stuff that was happening in your life like earlier in life how did that transition into and just letting the world know you are what people call a creative technologist which is by far one of like the most badass titles I've heard in quite some time. <laughs> uh, can you tell us what a creative technologist is? Yeah, it's um, it's a question which I get asked all the time. Um, the, if I was gonna, the way I describe it to like, <laughs> I have two ways of describing it. I've a way of describing it to people who are in the kind of media world, and the way I describe it to them is, I'm kind of half developer, half designer. So I do coding and I do Photoshop. If I was going to put it like bluntly like that on that level, <laughs> yeah. um, that's one way. But that's that is for someone who's in that kind of world. If it's to like my mum or like, you know, my grandma or you're in someone who really doesn't have a clue. I build websites, I build apps and I do things like AI or augmented reality or virtual reality. It, that that's the way I kind of describe it to those kind of people because they they just they they know the they know of the buzzwords and so that that's good enough. they go oh yeah. right he's one of these buzzwordy kind of people. But also not just buzzwords. Uh, if one were to Google some of the work that you have done, you've done some pretty dope things. Yep. How how did this ADHD with dyslexia child turn into? a creative technologist what were the steps that got you to there again i'll massively oversimplify and then we can talk about like um and, and grow from there so i guess yeah please basically um when i was younger uh, it was like harder in some respects and the result of it was that i'd go to a school realize it wasn't quite the right school because most kids don't have the issues um of that kind of severe learning difficulty. So I jumped from quite a few schools at a young age. Um, eventually, I got to a school which was really, really good for me. And But even then, I was like bottom of the class. <laughs> and, um, you know, I really struggled with the education system, even even with a school that was like quite good for me. Um, it was a mainstream school I managed to get into, um, but it was quite a tough one. I wasn't good at any of the academic subjects or any of the, you know, anything of intellectual, you know, what is considered intellectual, right? Um, I kind of put a lot of, all my energy into art, graphic design, photography, those kind of things. And because that was what I believed I was good at. Like, you know, I didn't really understand that I could be um, on that kind of, 
technical or intellectual level i i was just because the way the education system kind of shapes kids is like you're academic you're good at maths or you're good at science or you know but actually maybe people the kids who aren't good at it could be good at it but because of the way the system shapes them right that you're you're you grow up with like um uh like a kind of a way of thinking or a way of do you know what i mean like you're 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 kind of indoctrinated into mm -hmm. like you know yeah, yeah. um you know what I mean? So, you know, I was indoctrinated into thinking, oh, I, I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a creative person. I'm an arty. I'm a, I'm a designer. I'm a photography kind of person. Um, and that's the kind of the route I went and going into, I said it was a massively oversimplified thing. It is oversimplified, but I know I'm going on. Um, <laughs> but um, the point where it turned from creative to being creative technical is I applied to go to um, university and do a degree in illustration and uh, I was like turned away like I, I almost didn't get into university I really had to fight for it and um, during the interviews I had um, they said to me well actually you could do illustration but you know you'd, you'd be okay at illustration but what you'd be really good at is something called interactive design I was like oh why is that and they were like well, because um, your all your like art is very digitally focused, and you'd probably be quite good at something called interactive design. And I, you know, I, I back then I I didn't even think about it. Like yeah, I, you know, I'm yeah. I'm naturally a quite a spontaneous person. You know, even when it came to applying to universities, like the list of in the UK, you apply for five universities. It's a list of you know going from A to Z. So all the universities beginning with the A at the top of the list, all the universities beginning with a Z are at the bottom. Four out of five were near the top of the list because I just didn't even think. I was like, oh, that one, that one, that sounds nice. That's, you know. And then the last uni, mm. um, I was on Facebook chat to one of my mates. I said, oh, what you need to eat? What uni are you going to? And he's like, I'm going to go to the University of Lincoln. And I was like, oh, sweet. I'll apply there. And literally, like, that, that is the reason I went to that uni. I was like, oh, yeah, my mate's going. Um, and it was at that uni where I interviewed for illustration. And they were like, well, you know, you should consider interactive design. And I was like, yeah, sure. OK, why not? So, you know, without really thinking about it, it's like, yeah, sure. Um, so I went into interactive design and it was in that university degree um, where I was then, I then kind of unlocked that that was the kind of the key in the door where I unlocked that kind of learning into the technical side and kind of learned how to combine the two that's my long story short that's even though amazing. that was a long story <laughs> no <laughs> keep in mind this is a podcast we're going to be chatting for a while right yes <laughs> oh that's absolutely. what this is oh fairies, fairies. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. believe it or not yep. no it's all it's all audio here just you know take off your shoes and just relax keep your pants We're, on though please yeah keep your pants on your, your camera can't see uh, you can only see my top half don't you worry about it i'll um i, I won't really? lower that yeah. camera any further down <laughs> damn it so, james one thing we are interested to learn a little bit more about of just like you being an artist you also being technical how do how are you merging these two in your everyday life now um in my everyday life i guess it's an interesting one so i guess there's the in work and then there's the out work um side of it so the in work side of it is um i guess i'm more subject to whatever i'm asked to do 
Um, so in the job that I do as a creative technologist, sometimes I'm asked to do things which are more developer focused. So it'll be like, how do I build this thing? Um, and then that's obviously much more technical than it is creative. Um, and that engages more on the technical side. But there are times where I'm asked things like, um, what is possible to do? Or how do we enhance this creative idea? Or, um, you know, what's possible to do for this amount of money? Um, th that kind of question um, engages both sides because you need to technically know how much things kind of cost and then creatively how can you make something relatively kind of interesting that will kind of fit for whatever you're being asked to do um, and then I guess outside of work it's um, I mean I like to paint um, I like you know I did a fine art when I was younger for like A level and that so um, I try and paint as much as I can. Um, <laughs> I haven't done much recently, yeah. but I have a blog, which I, um, every time I do a blog post, I do some sort of artwork. Um, I need to get back into that, but, um, yeah, yeah, I try and, I try and do that. <laughs> there is, you do have, like, you bring a bit of your voice and your style into it. We'll link, uh, his, uh, James's blog, because there's a bunch of really cool stuff on there where, and it seems like you're just trying stuff out for yourself it seems like you're going through and learning it for yourself too and just relaying what you've learned as a uh, as a lesson yeah yeah i mean i basically i've learned everything i know like throughout my career through google and basically people put all sorts of shit on the internet like tutorials youtube videos whatever it is and i've I've learned, I know I went to university and you go to school, but I've really learned everything I know from a creative tech point of view from Google. And it's, you know, the, the blog is my kind of way of doing my bit. So if someone was to Google something and a blog post that I've done helps someone else, that's my way of trying to contribute a little bit back of what I know um, for the next person who just wants to learn or grow, I guess. That's, that's awesome. Yeah you've worked on projects such as mind-controlled cars uh you've worked on like making these algorithmic art installations with trees and twitter you've worked on giving butter emotions when or giving toast emotions when you spread butter on it <laughs> the first the first question i have for you is like one why like it, it's it's crazy is nothing sacred to you can we just have toast uh no but uh like there's so many crazy artistic things but also very tech savvy things that you have done that goes a little bit beyond just like making websites and hmm. the big question that i have for you on that is when you're taking this when you're doing things like painting there's one artistic kind of process and then you're making these other very tech savvy things is there like a intertwining thread that goes between that creative process between the two or do you see them as two totally separate uh processes mm -hmm. okay that's an interesting question i guess if i just do i guess i well I, let's let's figure it out i guess i'll just talk you through the process then let's use that emotional piece of taste you mentioned earlier um so that was a prototype i built for um my first ever company so i came out of university and um 
I um, I was working on a pitch for them and basically the client I think at the time was Hovis um, they, you know there wasn't actually an active client they were pitching for the work and um, basically Hovis is like a bread brand and um, I think they had something at the time so in from a creative perspective where it started out as was um, we would have taken something that um, and this is in, in the ad world you have like branding and you have like a campaign message or whatever it is um, and I, I can't remember exactly what the branding but it would have been something to do with being happy or something to do with giving you energy or do you know what I mean there would have been some sort of brand message that Hovis would have had like some sort of sub label title whatever it was um yeah and i guess you start brainstorming from that point just kind of like a like a key theme right exactly and so you start from that point in regards to um the um the kind of from a creative perspective and then it then flips so uh, so this is where it gets a bit of a gray area right because the next step and i guess any creative goes through this but when you have technical competencies what you think of is just a bit more extended maybe compared to what an illustrator might think or um, a graphic designer might think um, but someone who has the technical competencies their their kind of conceptual ideas spanned into the realms of okay so I understand like electronics so am I able to do anything with the bread like you know if I shove a wire into it or can I turn the bread into a sensor in any way because if I can do that if I can basically make the bread into any kind of sensor then I can trigger something so um, I knew that I could from my understanding of electronics um, I knew that I could basically turn it into a touch sensor um, basically you put a bit of voltage into the bread through um, a microcontroller um, and you can basically measure the resistance. <laughs> um, and this might sound like it's really physics based, and it is, but I'm not gonna pretend to be a physicist here. Um, basically, I've learned everything I know through doing stuff and it either working or not working. And uh, basically I, I've learned, I just Googled stuff basically. Um, and uh, the long and short of it was I turned, I, I was able to turn the bread into um, a sensor. So I was able to go, right, if I put my finger on the bread, I, I can trigger, um, something to come up on my computer so I was like right so I can do that but that's not that cool like it doesn't really mean anything right but I was like okay so it can detect my finger and I was like well, how far can I go with this and I realized I could get a knife because a knife is conductive and I've put the knife to the bread yeah. then the knife would um, have the same resistance detection and resistance change that my finger does and I was like right okay so I can put a piece of I can put a knife to the bread and the knife can get a, um, a measurable response so um, then I thought, right, well, butter on the knife on the bread. Uh, ironically, yeah. butter didn't get the resistance change for whatever reason. I, I'm not a physicist, and I didn't really look into it at the time. But <laughs> I knew that the, the, as long as I could get the, the knife to, to, to touch the bread directly, I could get the resistance change. Um, so basically, then the next logical step was, right, I've got now, in terms of a technical thing, I've got something that technically I know I can do, and we've got the time to quickly do it. So the next thing is right yeah. now back to the creative side because I've done the technical bit of the fundamental technical bit back to the creative. We've now got a, a thing that we can do. What can we do with that as a kind of a, a, a way of actuating um, a, like an idea? 
Um, and then the idea is, right, well, we've got this thing of the bread makes you happy or whatever it was at the time, whatever it was. And basically, like, right, why don't we make it talk to you and say happy things? Um, you know, so, like, we recorded some people talking and, like, you'd butter it once and it would say, oh, you're just buttering me up. Or, like, you know, <laughs> and it would be like, and then you'd butter it again. And you'd be like, oh, crumbs, not again. Um, but basically, you just got a load of puns from another creative dude who, like, is good with their words. And then that's where that kind of yeah. came from. So it's, it's a bit of a bounce between the two. It started off from a creative place. Um, then it was like, what can I do in the time I've got and what is technically kind of possible? And then it was like, right, this is a way of doing it. Like, well, how can we now make a creative thing out of that technical thing? So it's like a bounce between the two, if that makes sense. And that it also it. sounds like a bit of a process of like, you're working backwards to get to the overall goal like i have to like you have to chip away to get to the center first see what that is mechanically and what that looks like and then you can add more on top of it as you have that clear structure yeah yeah exactly that's bang on yeah yeah nice cool 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 um one thing that i i'm interested to learn from you and your perspective on james and i often you know outside of this podcast we often get into some very deep conversations <laughs> one of the things that i am interested to hear from you is about technology and ethics uh and i'm wondering if in your career uh, have you been faced with uh, the question of ethics when it comes to tech? And more specifically, are there are there moments where you've uh, like faced uh, like the process of the creation of the technology uh, and the potential sinister uses of that technology that like come before it's created rather than after because i think a lot of what i hear with ethics with like uh with technology ends up being more about well now it's out there and people are just using it for awful things the classic jurassic park quote of we knew that we could but should should we do this should should we have yeah, yeah. um i guess um I'll start off by saying I've never built anything which I think someone's life depends on. So I think I'd just start off by saying that. Um, but I would say that I, um, I think it's right. There's a level of integrity that um, it comes down, right? When you talk about ethics, this is a people question and people build tech. So um, when I'm in this position, it obviously falls to me as, as my integrity um, and often when you're in a team of people you may be the representative for tech and um therefore it's kind of up to you how far you want to take it or how you want to react to it because people don't really know tech and so it's kind of your decision how you want to like you know do it because there'll be some people i guess who they just want to leave at 5 30 and just be done with it so they'll just yeah this will do that'll be fine and 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 go right and i guess um my way of the way i tackle it is if i knowingly do something which is wrong I, I, that doesn't sit well with me i i don't knowingly um put something out which would cause any sort of negative 
impact because that just goes against me as my integrity um yeah and i guess an example of that which realistically is the kind of thing that i would deal with is i guess there's things like gdpr which is a relatively recent thing in the last three years um like gdpr is a law which came into effect in the eu and uk i know that you guys in the us have something similar um but i remember i was like kind of um asked the, like you know we were just doing a project and i was like no guys like um like because they were coming up with ideas like involving cameras or involving whatever it is anything which captures any sort of personal information right but you've got to be fair like in my kind of way of looking at it is well if you're going to put a camera that's recording someone now that i knowingly um, am aware of a law which you need to give consent um, about personal information an image of you is that is that considered personal and i didn't know the answer to that at the time but i knew there was a thing that would affect potentially us so my way of responding to it was well look <laughs> i don't know if this is actually a problem but i do know that this could be a problem and therefore on that basis i think it's worth like us consulting an expert but that takes time and money and that could risk a project going ahead or not you know so yeah, I, yeah but my personal opinion is it, it i i do do that but yeah it can cause you more problems and ultimately you probably end up up you know end up working more hours and it's probably more stress for you <laughs> Yeah, I think that kind of leads into another big question that we have of like, with in terms of ethics, there's also a lot of this conversation out there in the world mm. of tech talking about it changing the world. Everybody's looking to change the world. And one thing that I noticed just kind of in correlation to a lot of the projects that you have worked on, you've worked on things like mind controlling cars. You've worked on things like gestured controlled mice and kind of systems that work based off those. And you, I've at least seen some correlation in some of the work that you've done into things that are actually now out in reality. Of uh, There are gestured controlled things within vehicles now uh, to kind of help alleviate any button pressings or just quick activations for drivers. And then we're now in the mm. world of upcoming self-driving cars. Within a lot of the work that you have done uh, and a lot of the things that you've put out there in the world more for just like kind of marketing efforts, have you seen anything else that might be able to affect some future actual development? Or is there anything that you're excited about that you've done that could potentially go into real world application? Yeah, I think it's a big topic and we could go loads of different directions here. I guess there's two things I guess I'll say is that um, there's some pretty big technologies um, that I believe in. There are four key ones. There's Internet of Things, Artificial Intelligence, um, Blockchain and then XR. Um, and I guess, you know, three of those things are probably really well known. Blockchain, people may know about you know, blockchain through something like cryptocurrencies. But, you know, people don't, there's not actually cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin that aren't blockchain. They're like a result of the blockchain. And we, to be mm. honest, as a world, haven't really seen the results of blockchain. But blockchain as a fundamental concept could change like a lot of things and just how our society runs. Um, but that's a very big topic. I think another one that, um, this is the second point, um, 
which is a bit easier to talk about because it's a bit more um, digestible, um, is um, the realities of now, or like COVID, um, and how that's affected everyone. At my recent company, which I've literally just left, I've just left my recent company. Um, I've, I've loved working there, they've been awesome. Um, but basically the, the most recent thing that um, we've built as part of the team is this virtual experience platform. And the realities of something like that is um, it enables people to meet in a virtual space and have like virtual events. And it's more than just a Zoom call. Like it's actually like a, an event in your web browser that you can like move around in 3D space. And and like the ways that that can grow is like, you can have like virtual reality like events, right? And or augmented reality based events. So if you're in the virtual world, you know, you could put on a headset and move through a space. And if there are people in the same event, but they're physically attending it, this is the thing which I think is really exciting that in terms of, you said, how can it be the future, right? In terms of the big things like, you know, events in the future aren't necessarily just going to be physical events. Like they, they, in my mind, they could be super exciting if they have this virtual component. And, you know, people in the virtual world may in the future could be attending through any device, be it your web browser and your desktop, be it a mobile device, or it could even be in a VR headset, right? And then people at the physical event may be able to interact with people in the virtual event through things like augmented reality or even just like food like touch screens or you know I, I think you know anything on that kind of level like anything that touches those four big technologies that I mentioned in this case mm -hmm. XR like you know AR VR um, anything that touches that is um, going to be a significant change and like in a big way for the world going forwards yeah and like you there have been some developments out there recently of like having these combined experiences, putting it lightly here, not compared to the level that you've done of like, think of like silent mm. discos of people being in a confined space together, but enjoying this immersive experience while other people are listening to a different kind of music. And then also to another effect of gigantic events being held on Fortnite, uh, the video game where a lot of players can come together and watch like an immersive concert specifically made for that and tell me if i'm wrong but essentially you are cr working on creating spaces that will literally bring anybody in the world regardless of what kind of technology they have kind of together to experience a thing yeah absolutely i think the power of um the web browser i mean at the moment we we use the internet and it's like um you know it's like a very um like a 2d thing and you do see some 3d websites out there but the concept you know i i personally from a technology point of view i'm very biased towards things like javascript like because i think web technologies are the future like they're obviously they're native technologies and they can do really some really powerful and exciting things but in terms of like connectivity and bringing people together with low barrier to like entry um i think like web technologies and where that's going is like what i have the most interest in uh one of the things i'm interested to know about from you mm. is um i think even just in general like so many things co like covid has just changed not only like changed 
the way we operate during the pandemic. It's most likely going to change the way we operate after the pandemic. Um, so I guess like first, first things first, how do you think large events like the uh, conferences and conventions and concerts are going to change with the introduction of uh, a virtual experience platform where people can, no matter what they, what technology they are using, they can be in the same space together. I think that um, it's, I guess, two things. I guess, first of all, from an accessibility point of view, it just, it changes the game, um, you know, because it's forced, like, ev everyone's had to, everyone's been forced in different ways to adapt, like, to use technology, to, like, either get jobs or to, um, you know, to work differently or to whatever it is. Like, everyone's been forced to adapt in this. And I guess um, the first point in this is that when you open up uh, events to like interaction within the, di the digital space um it's it just allows people from all sorts of different backgrounds and like you know um whatever device they have to be able to attend an event and i think in the future the ability for someone who's online to interact with people who are offline i think that's going to be a really interesting space and in how that kind of develops um I think that's the first point and i guess the second point is physically actually attending an event may actually become more of a premium thing um because if you've got like a, a limited space then it's you know i guess you only got so many tickets to sell right um versus if you're like you know attending a virtual event that may be the lower cost way of being able to access something um so i guess it'll be interesting to see how events kind of going forwards how they can pan out because i guess especially as we come out of the pandemic with limited spaces like you know because certain distances people have to stand from each other or do you want to mean all these kind of covid restrictions yeah it'll be interesting to see how that actually does pan out because it won't just be like a zero or a one there'll be like a gray area in between that and how physical events like slowly open up will be interesting even though the governments may say go you're allowed to now hang out It'll be interesting to see, like, yeah. as a culture, how we react to that and how much we lean on technology to help kind of cover that kind of um, that gray area. I guess, like, knowing that and, like, jumping off, jumping off of that, is there something that, from building these platforms, I'm wondering if by building a 3D space, are there, um, are there flaws in the way that conventions and concerts are run that you guys have been able to expose and that in order for now that in order for these events to continue moving forward they have to address these issues they can't ignore it um the way and i may not be answering your question at all um <laughs> but um and so okay. you tell me if i'm going off piste with an answer like this um but the way i think this kind of thing, um, I guess the exciting possibility of some, I, I, the way I can look at it is virtual events now, I think are all pretty, um, I won't say primitive, but kind of, yeah, like, you know, they, they use some really exciting technologies to power them. And certainly what um, we've built is really, really cool. I just see a world where it's like in the future where we've kind of used existing technologies and future technologies to really expose 
possibilities things that people don't you know like pokemon go became a thing people were like holy shit i can catch a charmander like by walking outside like you know and that was like a big viral thing and it is really cool you know i love pokemon more than uh just as much as you know anyone else does but (laughs) from a technology perspective it was actually quite like you know primitive um and it was like oh wow really like people like that caught on that caught on like you know um and i guess from the perspective of like virtual events like we haven't really scratched the surface of what is like really possible like when you think of um I, i guess just one way of kind of looking at it is when you go to a physical event you kind of expect that you can't really talk to the speaker or the person talking on the stage unless they say okay who wants to talk now or you know like and then you have to put your hand up maybe and then they come to you and say okay right you know um what do you want to say and they pass the mic to you there are certain conventions that we're limited because of a physical space or a physical environment and we kind of replicate things in the virtual world to kind of match the physical world because that's kind of what we've known right I think it's those kind of conventions once you break those kind of things. I guess as, as an example of that, just to kind of <laughs> give a bit of a flavor of kind of the thing that could be possible with technology is if, you know, um, speakers are like talking on like a, in a specific studio, right? That's set up. Um, and, and this is done in, I'm not saying this isn't like an un, not done thing. Like there are places that do this kind of thing, right? But it's certainly not like a, it's done everywhere, like a mainstream thing. Um, but you know, being able to like record speakers in like real time, streaming that out, um, so that it captures a 3D um, kind of avatar of them in real time, and streaming that to a virtual platform, and people being able to engage with that avatar, right? Because immediately you, there are some interesting things that can be done immediately with that, and that is that the idea of what a space actually is um you know being able to interact within a space in fact you know what actually as i'm saying it it's reminded me of sorry you've mentioned something earlier mike i'm sort of darting between two different things Um, let's go let's go you mentioned that game the name of the game i can't remember Fortnite. Fortnite. right there was a Fortnite event relatively recently where like a band played live and like all sorts of people watched it and you know, they did all sorts of really interesting things where they made the artist grow really, really big, for example, and everyone was dancing around the artist. Travis Scott. I think so, yeah. I mean, so I'm not, if I'm really honest, I'm not like a big music person, but I know of it because I'm a tech person. So I noted the use of the technology. I, I, I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the artist, you probably know it better than me, but, you know, it's stuff like that where it's breaking the conventions of what we kind of know to be true in an event. I mean, another way of looking at it is... Um, you know, um, if you take, I mean, this is potentially maybe the scarier side of it, um, but I'm looking at it from the optimistic, cool, fun side of it, which is like, if you take enough recordings of someone, yeah. be it video or 3D model recording, whatever it is, and you kind of generate a, like a, an AI that can kind of replicate a limited amount of, um, you know, um, communication or interaction you know you could have people actually engaging with an ai which is like you know uh, like a you know which has the kind of moving model or video of um the artist and, and you know ai by the way like i don't know if we're going to go into this but it, it's way less sophisticated than people really think and the realities of what can be done now with it are like quite limited and but i guess the point where i'm going with it is it's just the conventions of what we know to be true are really set based on the physical world. They're not based on what is technically 
possible. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and now that we've taken this step into COVID where virtual events are a thing, we're still in this space where we're looking at a virtual event like we would a physical event, you know? And the more we... I guess the more we stay in this virtual event realm, it'll be interesting to see how many new conventions begin to get generated, like this thing with Fortnite that we kind of just mentioned, um, and how that begins to affect. Um, actually, there's one more thing, actually, is interesting. I'm saying, I know I was about to conclude, and I know I'm speaking up another big thing. Um, <laughs> but like, it, it's like... <laughs> There's um there's an artist and you have to forgive I, again I'm not a music person I'm just a tech person that respect you know, so I note the use of the tech not the artist but there was like a Japanese um like um anime singer and she's only uh, like a hologram supposedly right um she doesn't actually exist as an actual person the voice must be a person but the actual character, a bit yeah. like gorillas, like, you know, the, the singers are real people, but they pretend to have these avatars. Um, you have these concerts where you have like a hologram stage and there's a, you know, this hologram um, a anime girl like singing and interacting with the crowd in real time. And it's just interesting because that that's another use, but that's a bit more in the physical realm. But yeah. do you know what I mean? It's, it's interesting to see how these technologies are beginning to creep into physical events and then It'll be interesting to see the new precedents that are being set based on that. We are going to switch gears a little bit, though. We've talked so much about technology. I know that we could go on for days on days on days on days on, on days. days. On days on yeah, days on, on days. days. Uh, but we want to talk to you about, we want to switch gears to what makes you feel good. And so I'll start with the other day, um, we because we, we've all been talking a little bit before this, we jumped on a Super Smash Bros. game with James, and he kicked our asses. I, um, I want to is... say, we, we got pretty close. We got pretty close. We, it was also did, a free-for-all. But... <laughs> I know he was toying with us, but we, we got close. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to ask you, because uh, you, like, I've, played every so often you're really you're really good at this game um where did this love for super smash bros start and uh yeah tell us about tell us about your love for super smash bros well i guess i used to play a lot on computer games when i was younger like you know on the n64 um it was like the um and i couldn't get that many games like you know because when you're a kid you're kind of beholden to whatever your parents choose to get you um you know and um you know i, I you know i was often given like a, you can get this game but once you've got that like you know that's kind of what you got kind of thing like you know and i remember i, I wanted to get super smash bros i saw when i was in um at the time it's called game i think game is still around it's still a thing um but basically, like I saw the the case for Super Smash Bros, like with the Pikachu and the Mario and the, the Yoshi, and I was like, ah, oh, like I totally want to get that game. And I said, oh, Mum, can I get that one? And then I can't remember. She said she like, ah, like, oh, you won't want that one. You will want this one and whatever it was. I can't remember. Like, and we got that game, and I was like, no, I don't like that. I want, I want to go back and get Smash Bros. And um, it was just at the time, it was, I thought it looked really, really cool. And um. Yeah, so we went back, traded in whatever it was that we got, and I got Smash Bros. And it was one of the few games I had at the time. And don't you know, um, I did eventually get more games, but 
you know, it, yeah, I was given like a, you know, you can get this game, you know, until you know a few months or whatever it was later, then you can get another game. But at the time, I didn't have that many, and so I just got really, really, really into it. Like, you know, I just like played. <laughs> all the time like and like it started out like i was playing whatever it was through the arcade mode and and then it just got to a point where i was playing like level nine one level nine then i was like oh i can beat level nine quite easy now two level nines it got to a point where i was fighting three level nines and then i got to a point with that right by the time i was finished i was fighting three level nines on a handicap of like one or nine or whatever it was so they were doing like nine times more damage or whatever it was. But like, yeah, it just got to a point where I just got so into it. Like, you know, but then this is the N64 version and it's a very different physics engine compared to what the later games are. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where it kind of began really. And I, I obviously, like, I guess I played the, uh, the following sequels ever since. I, I think we can all speak to, we all kind of became enamored with smash bros on n64 and just how kind of revolutionary it was for like us as kids to really hop in and be able to just play as these characters that we've always wanted to but and just beat the <laughs> crap out of the other ones uh settles all those playground arguments of if mario can beat link or whatever which surprisingly he can but uh a question for me is at what point did video games kind of become this sort of escape from knowing that you work in tech and things are always busy, 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 busy. Do you, at what point did video games kind of become um, that escape I mean, for you? I guess this is the, you know, I, I did grow up in like a, like a divorce household. So, you know, there was all, you know, lots of all sorts of arguments and that. Um, so, I mean, you know, for me, it was just kind of like playing computer games as my kind of way of, you know, just getting in the world really um i guess um so i guess i would say this about computer games but also kind of like at the time it was cartoon shows and anime for me so for me it was like things like toonami i know you mentioned earlier mike like you know you watched uh toonami and stuff like that and that's kind of what i kind of grew up on and um so for me i guess there were two things which i um i really kind of like learned a lot from is like um anime and computer games <laughs> so you know games like legend of zelda are really close to my heart because um like first of all it's just a wicked game um but also it's like there's lots of problem solving and like you know i guess the story of legend of zelda is quite you know it's you know about you know overcoming whatever it is you know you know whatever it's puzzles or the bad guy whatever it is but um certainly with like you know um with anime there's yeah, I learned a lot from anime, as, as, as crazy that may sound, like the, there's a lot of, um, I, I guess, unlike, I, like, uh, I don't know, Western um, cartoons, it's a little bit more moral based, like there's more morality to anime. Um, and it teaches you some pretty, like, um, quite adult things. Like, for example, I use something like Naruto as an example, like Naruto, like addresses some pretty adult issues um but it's dressed up like a cartoon show and i say like adult issues only like in a weird like it's nothing at all sexual it's more like quite deep um and difficult topics um like the main character um is someone who has no parents for example and he grows up in a society where he's kind of shunned and like uh, he's dressed up as this kid who's like you know um you know quite excitable he's fun he's got a load of energy you know, he's 
uh, going around getting all, all sorts of mischief and he gets into cool fights and stuff but he deals with some pretty like difficult things and the way that that's kind of addressed as a cartoon show is quite interesting because when you're watching it as a kid you're watching it on like the on like oh this is a cool fight scene or oh like you know this is really funny or whatever and like and then like, there's some quite difficult things that come up in in that kind of cartoon show and it's like you know as a as a kid it's quite interesting to kind of watch that and actually internalize that as a kid and for me i, I guess i learned quite a bit from as weird as it might sound i learned quite a bit from cartoon shows yeah no i that was actually something that i know like with anime and um and video games that i connected with that there was some sort of uh something that i could there was certain like deeper level of emotion where i think video games it was a little bit more obviously like i could control the character so i was able to express a little bit more of the emotion through there uh, a lot more obviously, but anime was interesting. I think like the first time you see Goku turn Super Saiyan, you're seven years yeah, old, yeah. his hair turns <laughs> yellow, and he's on fire, and you're just like, "Oh my god, I feel like that all the time." <laughs> yeah, 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 and it's That's and it was scene. a really like being a kid and seeing that for the first time is insane and then everything afterwards previously where it's not the most dramatic thing and they just like turn it on it's like yep i resonate with that too because sometimes it's just not this big crystallizing moment it's just like well i'm just switching on the emotion because i just feel like i'm on fire um so (laughs) i wanted to i wanted to dive a little deeper into like the gratification that you've received over the years as you've grown up with some of these games and uh some of these shows as well because we have had the privilege of growing up with these characters too which i think like as has been amazing in itself like what do you think that you've been able to connect with as you have changed uh over the years I guess it's overcoming adversity. I think that's a pretty, um, I mean, everyone's got challenges in their life and everyone's got all sorts. And it's like so many different people have so many different types of challenges. And I think that's one thing everyone can kind of relate to, right? Everyone's got their own sort of challenge in their life. And, um, and it's sometimes it's too much and sometimes you can't deal with it. Sometimes you need to step it up and, you um and you sometimes you don't really have a choice but to kind of step up and i guess one thing i i guess i bring up naruto again is and again it's it's a cartoon show but actually there are some pretty dire situations like pretty sad situations that naruto as a character kind of gets into and um and i'm not saying at all that he is like an inspiration that made such a big impact on me that that in itself but um, in terms of the culture of the kinds of things I watch, like it plays into the kind of, you know, uh, as a kid, you kind of look at things like Naruto and you kind of think, wow, like this character dealt with, you know, this adversity that he came through by doing X, Y, Z, or this other character did something else. And I don't know, I think the message, I think certainly in, in anime, it's very interesting. The, the, it's a it's positive message, but it's very moral based. I'm not saying all anime is like that, by the way, but... 
certainly yeah. a lot of the anime that I watched when I was younger. I don't even mean like Pokemon because Pokemon doesn't really, for me, it never really had that moral kind of um, vibe to it. It's a super cool, like, addictive game, and I still think it's really cool. Um, but it's not like not all games necessarily had that. But certainly there were games there, like, and there was anime certainly like Naruto, where you witnessed the main character deal with adversity and. There are times where they didn't really have a choice and they had to step up. And you don't, in the real world, things aren't necessarily that epic. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, like you said in a minute yeah, ago, about, yeah. like, you mean Goku you don't turns randomly to... just yell and scream and get blonde hair? <laughs> what, what? You mean that's not a real thing? The amount of times that I have just wanted to solve a problem with a Hadoken, just not because <laughs> it was necessary, but because I just like. I just feel that need to shoot energy out of my hands. I mean, I I grew up in the middle of the desert for five seconds and with no neighbors. I absolutely went outside and tried to, like, yell, scream, and unleash this inner power inside. Just like, and It just never happened. I was really sad about it. But as you, as I, did, co- I did unleash some energy from it. It was pretty nice. As your co-host, I can tell you, Mike, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have seen it. It no, sounds I'm awesome. So Maybe later I'll show you when I kick your ass and smash. Bring it on. Uh, well, in order to move on to that, we we're coming to a close on this episode. We're sad to uh, see you go, James, but also we will never leave if we don't come to a stop. I, we can all chat for f- hours. I know, James. <laughs> Yeah, what what I wanted to ask you is, what's your future good? What's in store for you? What can people be excited about to see from you? Well, I guess there's two future goods, I guess. Um, I'm interested in exploring, like, you know, because I understand, like, creative thinking and technical thinking, but um, I'm very interested in exploring business thinking. That's something that's been very absent in my life and um, something I'm trying to kind of grow a little bit more of a... An understanding in so i've got a, a baby shoe store which is really super duper random um but it's like <laughs> carrying on like a family business like uh, you know my my granddad owned like um, a baby shoe manufacturing business and then my dad and my uncle then inherited that and it's not it's no longer a thing but i've kind of re-brought it back up in kind of a new kind of uh, flavor so I've got like a baby shoe store, which is kind of um, carrying on that kind of family thing. And it's it's my kind of way of um, exploring kind of business. But um, that's not necessarily the thing in itself that um, if I'm more for me more, it's like, you know, exploring kind of the uh, how to kind of develop kind of business understanding. And yeah, hopefully um, my baby shoe store, Baby Brooks, can uh, can grow and become successful. But if not, I'm, you know, it's something I'm, I'm definitely interested in growing my understanding and in businesses like developing apps or whatever it is like you know more of a you know things that can help people i guess you know um if the baby shoes that i sell are super useful and helpful to parents or to or nice for the babies to wear that's nice and i think things that i can build that can help people um through developing the business competency i think that's something i'm definitely interested in kind of um growing i think the second thing i guess which is more (laughs) of a uh it's, it's less of a business thing, but more of, I guess, of a technical sharing competency thing. Um, I want to do a bit more blogging if I can and um, put a bit more of the 
technical information that's in my head kind of out there into the world like into google in a format which is just useful for a random person to understand and kind of get knowledge from because if if people don't do that then people won't learn how to do stuff <laughs> so um i want to try and give it back a bit more like do a bit more blog posts and you know give out that information kind of help people kind of grow their technical knowledge really james you've already taught me so much and i can't even put to words how thankful we are to have you here to walk us through the ins and outs of the craziness that is creative technology and we are so humbled to have you here but we don't want to just keep you to ourselves where can people find you online and learn more about all things james <laughs> miller um well i guess um if you want to buy some baby shoes <laughs> um that's um, <laughs> baby brooks <laughs> baby shop um and um if you want to see more stuff about me and tech um my website is jamesmiller.blog um and i'm on instagram um and twitter at jamesmillerblog beautiful beautiful amazing beautiful well james thank you so much for being with us here today talking through all things creative technology all things about the future we're just I'm very grateful for you being on here, and I, we're all just so we we love you. I don't i i get I get verklempt at the end of. We these must say interviews. goodbye. So James Miller, <laughs> goodbye. Until next time. Goodbye. We'll say that. Goodbye, my lover. <laughs> all right. Much goodbye. love, guys. Love you much. <laughs>
No, so I think from the more consumer point of view, I think all of us have a bit of a like Jep Jetson cyberpunk Star Wars kind of idea of like what technology is supposed to be and what the future is. And I think coming from the perspective of someone who's like building these technologies of, t of tomorrow, like living in those technologies of tomorrow and having a different perception of that. And he's kind of he ran us through like all of the more like differences of like the technical aspects but the more like human things that mm -hmm. are about people rather than technology itself and i thought it was just really it was really nice and really interesting to hear him break it down like that I think yeah. also like because he's talking about like certain technologies that were like oh my god this is amazing like holograms and this kind of stuff and then he's sitting there going like we've had that for a while where <laughs> have you all been yeah i i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna say this to everybody in uh sort of a confessional way okay. um the thing i took away from this interview is that James is very good at Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> I like I was trying to talk a big game during the interview and then right afterwards he was like, "Oh, mate, you want to hop on a game of Smash and you want to play and stuff." And that I'm sure you're terrible. Dude. It's shut up. It's better <laughs> No, it's better than most. Yeah. Uh tell that to Alexia. But I immediately hopped on a game of Super Smash Brothers with him and lost every single one so bad. Like, I thought I was decent. Because we all played together once. How mm -hmm. much harder did he go on you? He went hard. Yeah. He went hard. Like, putting this in a term of people who do not play video games it was like watching a five-year-old go against like a major league player it was <laughs> like okay i'm gonna be cute i'm gonna let you play a little bit and i'm gonna smash and then you're like okay i'm gonna let them like try to go and get a goal and then i'm gonna kick it out from under their legs or something like it was like michael jordan me. in space jam not even like <laughs> michael jordan had to have his like secret stuff in order to like go and you know he oh, had to hydrate yeah but, uh he had it inside him all along i didn't <laughs> <laughs> i thought i did and he decided to just crush my dreams of being a professional video game player and throw them out the window but in all honesty like i loved his thought process of just taking the technicality of it of like okay there's something that needs to get done and we can build that now how do we take in the artistry how do we take in the uh the design elements to really make this thing come to life yeah um and like the whole butter example uh, <laughs> just being able to take like a piece of toast and then as you're spreading the butter on it just making it be like oh well, that's quite crumbly. It's like just little things like that made me giggle so freaking hard. <laughs> like it's also brilliant, and I cannot wait to see all the crazy cool stuff that he does in the future. I mean, he's got a lot of awesome stuff that he's uh, got up on the horizon. If you guys want to learn more about James and all the creative technicality 
stuff that he does. You can check him out on his blog at jamesmiller.blog, or you can find him on Instagram at jamesmillerblog. He's also got a portfolio where, like, you can, and we'll link it, you can uh, check out all of the cool technologies he's worked on and they've got like some fun little videos on there and like some interactive elements his uh, by the way his portfolio if you have vr goggles go nuts like (laughs) i'm not even joking like you go to his website and it's like meant to be seen with virtual reality goggles i thought you were just kind of joking but no no, i'm not i'm not it's We need sponsors so I can afford a VR headset. So if you are interested or have any questions about the Feel Good Podcast, you can write us at feelgoodpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on all the socials at feelgoodpod. That's F-I-L-L-G-O-O-D, pod. And uh, you can just listen to this. Make sure you like, you subscribe, you give us five-star ratings anywhere that you listen to your podcast. And we will very much appreciate it and love you for the rest of your life. Well, I mean, we already love you for we the do. rest of your life. But, but even we more. love you even more for the rest of yes. your life. And yes, yes, yes. But yeah. in the meantime, I'm Mike Osgood. I'm Byron Filler. Uh, We want to give a special shout out and thank you to uh, our producer, uh, Alexia Van Was. And and also our podcast tech gremlin, Wes Underwood, uh, for helping us with this episode. And we are uh, happy to welcome uh, Alicia Underwood, who's helping us with some research and development. So welcome to the team alicia thank you so much for joining us and uh and helping us out on this crazy adventure that mike and i are going on that we are all going on now but until next time everybody we will catch you on the flip the flop